of the Old Testament, and we're going to read from chapter 2, from verse 15. The Epistle of John, uh, chapter 2, and from verse 15. Um, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. He who does the will of God. And how important it is. He abides forever. Let's bow for a moment in prayer as we wait upon God. Invite the Spirit of God to hush our hearts and tune our spirits to hear God tonight. Father, we have gathered tonight once again in your name. We thank you, Lord, that as we do so, we have immediate access into the presence of Almighty God. We come to a throne which should be a throne of judgment, but instead it's a throne of grace. And how we bless you for that. That your grace precedes your judgment how we praise you. And so we come with boldness to that place right now, not through any deeds of our own, but purely on redemption's grounds. We ask you to draw near to each one of us as we gather here. We pray that you'll quieten our hearts and spirits at the end of a busy and demanding and hectic day. Grant that there shall be a holy hush within our hearts tonight. And as you walked through that garden in, those, in that early day, may your voice be heard in the cool of the evening hour. Minister to all of us. Give us ears to hear, not the voice of a preacher, but the voice of God. Give us eyes to see and behold wondrous things out of your word the entrance of which brings light. Give to us minds that can understand so that we might understand the mind of God and hearts that can respond and wills that find themselves in total submission. We realize without you, Lord, we are nothing. But through Christ, we are more than conquerors. You have a place in your heart for each one of us. May we not miss you on any count. Bless our families and loved ones, some here, some in other parts of the city, across the country, or even overseas. Watch over each one of them, we ask you. Draw the families together under the wings of your love. 
Now grant tonight that we will see and behold wondrous things out of your word in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. amen. And amen. <clears throat> the late Ruth Graham, wife of Billy Graham, made an interesting statement as she sought to describe the Christian life. She was driving along in, uh, uh, along the road once and she saw uh, a sign saying, uh, under construction. And her feeling was that that's exactly what's happening in our lives. We are under construction. Amen. And when she died, they placed on her gravestone, construction completed. Thank you for your patience. And that's what the goal is, isn't it, friends? The, the, the construction is going on today. Every day. God is at work within our lives. Sometimes, sometimes we're aware of it. But most times we're not. But he doesn't stop. He which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And God is consistent. Once we've responded to him, friends, he can't walk away from us. His love constrains us. And it's so essential that we understand something of that wonderful work of construction that he's doing within our lives. Each one is equally important. Each one is equally significant. No matter who we are, where we're from, or what our status might be, God is at work in sovereign power within our lives. And now I thank God for that. So I'm not quite sure where I would be if it were not for that. Now, uh, the, our text tonight here is simply, He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And I find those words with tremendous meaning. The will of God. You see, the, the journey of faith revolves around the will of God. As I said last night, uh, before we were conceived in our mother's womb, womb, we were conceived in the mind of God. He had you in mind before you appeared on planet Earth. He knew your name, your address. He knew everything. And I find it too marvelous to think that here is an almighty God who rules the universe. And he looks down across the vast kaleidoscope of time and he sees a speck of dust called planet Earth. And on planet Earth, he sees you and me. And even the hairs on our head are all numbered. And he neither slumbers nor sleeps because of his keen commitment to that which he has created and planned. And in sovereign planning, he makes each life so amazingly unique, separate, different, but gloriously unique. And he carves out a plan. And it's his will for your life and my life. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In John 7, 7 17, if any man is willing to do his will. So, 
Yes, your will, there's his will. And what is essential is that these two wills come together and work together and operate together. But he's given you a free will to choose whether we're going to go our own way, and the Bible says we do, or we like sheep have gone astray, we've gone our own way. But he gives us opportunity after opportunity to unite our wills with his. In Ephesians 6, 6 to 8, doing the will of God from the heart. I desire to do your will, O my God, said David in the Psalms. <clears throat> now, isn't it amazing that we have plenty of information in the world? In fact, in the last five years, it's just virtually out of control. Every now and again, there's some new invention going on. And so there's more information than in all of history. And that is coming at us all the time. But you know, friends, there are very few tonight, with all our knowledge, know anything about the will of God. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight here. Because it concerns every one of us. Uh, there are different terms that people have used about the word, the will of God. Uh, it could be called the divine framework in which we live. Uh, it could be called the believer's blueprint. And I believe God has a blueprint up in heaven for us. It could be called the secret of successful living. No one wants to live an unsuccessful life and certainly an unsuccessful Christian life. We are called. And the only place to do this, friend, do this is within the will of God. And unfortunately, there are times when our will rebels. I think we're quite masters of that, aren't we? Uh, rejects what God has as if we knew better. And if we do think we do, take a look around and see the mess we've made uh, in marriages and homes and society and world and the world. And been another killing tonight, today, up in Toronto as someone crashed into people walking on the sidewalk, killing 11 people. One tragedy after another. We've gone our own way and we're paying the price. See? The will of God is perfect in terms of its structure, in terms of its future, in terms of its quality. But man's gone his own way, and the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. And that's what we have. Jesus has another way. In Ephesians 1 verse 9, we talk about the mystery of the will of God. The main thing that regulated the life of Jesus Christ is recorded for us in John 5, 30, where it says, I, did, I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And all through his life, this was the goal. Right through until he came to the Garden of Gethsemane, when the cup of life was as bitter as gall, 
And the challenge was on, and the flesh was fighting against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, until finally uh, Jesus surrenders and says, Not my will, but thy will be done. That which she had been born into was now paying off. And from that moment, he was able to go straight to the cross when he surrendered to the will of God. And eternal purposes were fulfilled. How we thank God for that. And so I would say right here, friends, at this point, do you desire the perfect will of God? Are you in the will of God? At all times. Again, you've got a free will. You can choose. The way of the world operates before us as we read just now. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These are all the distractions that are there and the temptations to get us out of the will of God. And I've met many, many people that have professed to be children of God, have been saved, baptized, but they cannot say that they're walking in the will of God. And their lives show it. Because when you're walking in the will of God, your appetite changes. Your appetite for God and for truth and righteousness are now beginning to show. The first thing I want us to look at as I seek to tackle this important subject, uh, the definition. The definition of the will of God. Is it amazing to think that the will of God starts in heaven and ends in heaven? It goes the full cycle. As you come into this world, the will of God is potentially there. As you grow, the will of God is there. In the, in the decision-making processes of life, the will of God is at stake. We have to choose. And sometimes the flesh goes that way and the spirit goes that way and you're caught in between the crossfire. It's not easy to choose the will of God. Jesus prayed that God would take away that cup. Uh, the flesh doesn't like to die. The flesh doesn't like to surrender. And there always has to come to that point. And we'll talk about that a little later when we seek to describe how one can truly walk in the will of God. The will of God is the translation of the eternal into the temporal. It's the translation of the eternal or from that dimension into the temporal where we live. We only live in the temporal. We don't live down here forever. Thank God for that. Yeah. See? So it's that translation where God translates and transfers into a human life his divine plan. It's the translation of a sovereign plan into the physical and material plane. You see, God is sovereign by that means he's all-powerful, he's all-present, and he's all-wise. He will have the final say in all of our lives, not the doctor or the lawyer, God will have the final say. Right through into eternity, he decides it all. We can choose. It's a blueprint of our earthly pilgrimage. Not that he creates us like robots and presses a button here and we jump there. No, friends. It's a plan that he has 
a, a path he wants us to walk. We call it the highway of holiness, the road of redemption, the street of success, the intersection of the eternal interstates in which we find ourselves. It's the pathway of the people of God. You see, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse uh, 10 in the what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer, uh, Jesus said, Matthew 6 verse 10, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that means, friends, he's got a will in heaven. And thank God he's unopposed there. See, He has a perfect will there, and, and Jesus is praying that your will be done on earth. And that's exactly what he wants. He wants us to walk in his will and experience his guidance and the blessing of being in the will of God. It's the only place to survive. You see, friends, out there in the world in which we live, in the business world, the sports world, the civic world, there is nothing, nothing to build your faith. In fact, there's everything there to destroy your faith and to distract you from walking in the will of God and to cause you to miss God's best for your life. Yes. How tragic to come to the end of life's little day. You see, friends, as I said last night, your life is not your own. You never chose to come into this world. You never chose your name or the place where you'd live and the country you'd live. You had no say. But I woke up one day and found myself in South Africa. <laughs> and that's where I've lived. But God's there too, by the way. You see? But more than that, you've got no say about your life. Everything is controlled. The doctor brings you into the world. Someone decides what you're going to eat. Someone decides when you're going to go to school. What time the school starts. Uh, someone decides how you're going to live. Someone decides the laws of the country that garrison your life. Uh, your life is completely controlled right through until the undertaker takes care of you. In some places they call him the subterranean contractor completely controlled but it's right there in this control these controlling influences God has introduced a plan a coverage for you and for me because everything is designed out there friends to destroy to rob to kill and to destroy I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly The next is what I call the grand design of the divine design. John chapter 21, verse 20. We have an interesting account. Peter turning around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him. And Peter says, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. See? Now, I think we all do that. We try and run someone else's life. Uh, we say, Lord, 
Why are you blessing him in that way and not me? Why are you guiding him to, that, to do that and be found in that career and in that relationship? What about me? You see? Now God is saying here to Peter, if that's what I've planned for him, that's the plan I have. I have another plan for you. Now, can I accept that God in his sovereignty knows what's best for me? Well, if he loves me, he will know what's best for me. But he wants my heart. He wants my soul. He wants my surrender. So that he can fulfill the plans he has. For the Bible says, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. He's done some preparation work, friends, to get the construction going. The design of God can be seen in creation. We see his creative genius. The design of God, friends, is seen in redemption. When you try and work out all the possibilities and the details of redemption, friends, it is an action of genius. The divine of God has been seen in history. How God's hand has been there in spite of all the wars that have raged and the multitudes that have been killed in senseless war. There's been an unseen hand of God upon the church of Jesus Christ. It should have been wiped out long ago. Right from the Colosseum days, right from the days of the book of Acts, right until tonight. Christianity has become the most hated religion in the world. It should never be here. Never. But there's been an unseen hand. There's been a divine will. Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We've seen his hand in history. Look in your own life. We shouldn't be here. Remember that accident you missed? That crisis? When the doctor shook his head and was, didn't know what was wrong with him. Hmm? And yet you're here. Did you do it? No. There was an unseen hand active in our lives. And thank God he's there, friends. The darkness is too great out there otherwise. Well, what about the future? The same God that has been busy in the past... He's also busy about the future. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is a future, friends. There's a future for this world. The Bible says it'll perish. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. There's a future for you, my friend. It's not just in life's little day. It's way beyond Till the day comes when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for thou art with me. This is God in action. This is God's commitment to you and to me. Walk with me and I'll walk with you. He'll never force you. He wants us to do it voluntary. Otherwise we're machines. He loves us as human beings made in his image. There's an eternal plan. And so the divine design involves the sovereignty of God. His eternal plan. He doesn't change it for anybody. It's not renegotiable. Even the gifts of calling and gifts and callings of God are without repentance. 
irrevocable. You see, God is consistent. You can trust him. If you walk on your own, you'll have to trust yourself. You'll have to trust the devil. You'll have to trust society, friends, and guess what? They've got nothing to offer you. Absolutely nothing. The security of the believer rests within the will of God. He's there, he's able to keep us from falling, the Bible says. Yes, the life of the believer is beset by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. These are the very things that Adam and Eve contended with and, died and failed. These were the very three things that Jesus contended with, contended with and came through victoriously. We man failed, Jesus triumphed in the very areas where we have collapsed and embarrassed his name. Jesus has triumphed and he says, I want to make you more than a conqueror. But in his will. And he holds us there. It's the secret of servanthood. The secret of servanthood. You want to be a servant of Jesus? The servant has to obey the master. And the servant is not like he is. Uh, the servant has to follow. It's not greater than the master. If the master sacrificed, if the master suffered, the servant follows. And so the servant does not follow the master on his own terms. We try and do that. It doesn't work. You wonder why our prayer lives die. We don't win souls to Christ. We don't fulfill God's eternal purposes. It's the spiritual offer that God gives to us. Which he says, you are welcome to walk. A walk that the world knows nothing about. In the will of God, day by day. It's not done by your feelings. Your feelings will never be able to keep you in the will of God. They fluctuate all the time, depending on the circumstances. It's a walk of faith. The just shall live by faith. And by faith I commit the day that my life will be within the center of God's will, the safest place on earth. Yes. Unless we don't believe it. Now, there are two important aspects of the will of God that we must grasp. The first is what I call the general will of God. And for that, that we find in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 19 where we read these words uh, in terms of the general will of God, what is God's general will for all of mankind? He's not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That's the first. That's the general. He wants us all to be saved. He doesn't want us to perish and wind up in a lost eternity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. You see, we condemned already, the Bible teaches us, because of our sins. And sin, which is rebellion against God. Now, he comes with his redemptive plan to redeem us from that self-destructive path along which we are walking. We walk the way of the world. There are two paths. There's the narrow road. There's the broad road. And we, many there be on the broad road. And we follow the crowd. And there's two sides to the broad road. The clean side and the dirty side. But it's going the same way. You see. 
Now, Jesus comes to rescue us from that folly. And that's, he wants us all to repent. For unless we repent, we will likewise perish. But then there is what we call the specific will of God. That's for you as an individual. His individual plan for your life and my life. I can't stop thanking him enough that he has that. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. To pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, it's reduced now to the individual level, to you and to me. What are we going to do with our lives? We've only got one life. It will soon be passed. And it's only what's done for Christ that will last. We can choose to do our own thing. And we run our lives accordingly. But there comes the time when the crowd's gone and you find yourself alone and re rejected. And what has my life achieved? It involves decisions and choices. It's connected to our daily experiences and new challenges. <clears throat> John chapter 3, verse 27. A man can do nothing except it be given to him from above. We are not here to compare ourselves with others as Peter and John were doing. Your life will never be judged in the light of someone else. The only basis of judgment will be on the relationship with Jesus Christ. And how you've walked with him and how you've obeyed his voice and fulfilled his plan in your life. And we can do nothing without that. Every gift you have has come from above. Every good and perfect gift cometh from above. See? And so he's given us various gifts and he wants us to use them in terms of his glory. Because we are here to glorify him. We try to reverse that but it doesn't work. We are here to glorify him. Are you seeking to do that? Or are the, uh, is there another agenda, agenda in your life? Whereby my goal in life is to get rich and famous and important. And so it goes on with all these carnal appetites and goals and motivations in life. Why am I here? Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It doesn't talk about any other alternative. And then we want to look at the dimensions of the will of God. As I mentioned earlier, it starts in heaven. <coughs> the length is the first dimension. How long is this business of the will of God? From the moment you were conceived in your mother's womb, that incredible blueprint began to move into action into action the dates the appointments the lines were drawn the dates were settled not by you but by God when you live when you die unless of course you take your life it starts in heaven and ends in heaven it has a commencement and it has a conclusion we don't live blindly 
just hoping for the best that things will turn out. My friends, you live by the will of God. That's why you don't live by good luck. The word luck comes from the same root word as Lucifer. You live by God's blessing. The devil would love to have you living on his terms. And that's what we do. We've got to live on his terms, friends, right from the beginning. Get things out of your life that don't belong to him. And so we find, friends, we begin. It's a long journey, a journey in the will of God. I look back over my life, I'm amazed. I cannot understand how it's worked out. But it's worked. I wouldn't be here otherwise. It's real. There came to a time in my life and I said, God, I don't want you only to save my soul, but I want you to save my life. I've only got one life and I dare not throw it away. I dare not misuse it and abuse it. I dare not live it for the flesh and the devil. I'm here by virtue of his grace and his calling and his election and all that he has in mind. And he has things in mind that I've never even encountered yet, friends. Why? Because the Christian life is the greatest adventure you could ever embark upon. Amen. The width of the... The, the dimension of the width of God's will. It covers your entire life. Everything that happens in your life comes under the scope of his will. In the decision-making processes, in your, the world of relationships, in marriage, in family, in your jobs, where you live, where God wants you to do in terms of the, in, in, in connection with the gifts he's endowed us with. Everything, friends, the entire width of our lives is a, can be according to his will. But the moment we keep one part out of it and say, that, well, that's my little world, that becomes a source of infection into your life and poisons the entire system. The height it runs parallel with life. Here it is, conceived in heaven, friends, planned, worked out, and then we walk alongside it all through life. Here we deviate, we get back, we deviate, but he walks with us right through until you walk through the valley of the shadow. How wonderful to know that you need never be alone. How wonderful to know that God's ahead of me one step at a time. It doesn't make me better than you. What it makes, friends, that Jesus becomes real out of the books of history, out of the Bible itself. He becomes your friend that sticketh closer than a brother. This is the Christ we're talking about. This is not religion, friends. This is a divine relationship. The height. Within that, there's the depth. Because within the walk with God's will, we identify with Jesus in his suffering. The Bible talks in 1 Peter 4, 4 verse 19, suffer according to the will of God. This is not God punishing you. This is not being cruel. But the crucible of suffering can become the greatest growth point in your life. Where you prove God to be more than a God of theory. 
that in the midst of the fire, he's walking with you through the fire. There are different kinds of suffering. I think we all know that. And again, I think of the many tonight that are suffering because they know Jesus and live for Jesus. They accept it. I heard that some of the folks who were guilty of martyring Christians could never understand one thing about what took place when they executed Christians for their faith. They could not understand how that many of them went, stepped into eternity singing. Some pastors went as tourists to a Buddhist country and they were invited to tour a Buddhist monastery. And when they got stood there, they looked at all that was there and they started to sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, how great thou art. These folks looked at, them, looked at them as if they are mad. He says, in our religion, we don't sing. In some religions, they chant. But the Christian religion is the only one who sings. You know why? We've got something to sing about. That's the difference. The joy of the Lord becomes our strength. It breaks through that other kind of dimension that the average man walks today. So bound by circumstances that he hasn't got that joy. He has moments of happiness. But that's all. The challenges of life come to you and me. It doesn't mean, friends, that because you're walking in the will of God that you'll be now floating to heaven on a bed of roses. Some think it's an escapism. It's not. You're facing the challenges of life. There will be sicknesses. There will be heartbreaks. And there will be circumstances that from a human point of view you can't understand. And then it comes back to my mind the words of Job. He'd lost everything, even his health. And his wife had said to him, curse God and die. And he made that incredible statement. Do you know what it was? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Amen. My friends, that talks about faith. That talks about God, no matter what you're doing, I'm going to trust you. But who else do you trust? The barman? No one. You can trust him because he's alive and he still has plans. Even though sometimes they're strange. Then we look at the dynamics of the will of God. And they're real. The first is food for the soul. Jesus said in John 4 verse 34, My meat is to do the Father's will. That's the first. It's food for my soul. Just as your body needs food day by day for its survival, for its nourishment, there is food for your soul. And that food is in the will of God. Are you feeding on His will? You'll discover it in the Word. Spend time in the Word. I love to take my Bible and look at verse after verse and pray over each verse. And inhale the truths of that verse. Sometimes it's a challenge. Other times it's chastisement. Other times it's conflict. But there's something there for my soul that the world cannot give me. And I can't walk out into that dark world out there, friends, without that inner anchor. 
The will of God is food for your soul. And sometimes the only thing I know is, I know I'm in the will of God. Do you know that tonight? You sure about that? If you come to the place when you've surrendered your will to His, it can be a breaking point. It's the delight of the soul. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do your will. Psalm 16 verse 6 says, The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places that God has placed me. You see? Some places sometimes you wonder how a person can be happy under those circumstances. I'll tell you how, friends, they know they're in the will of God. They are protective parameters. In other words, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You see, there's protection there. Somebody has very well put it this way. The child of God, in the will of God, is immortal until his work on earth is done. The child of God, in the will of God, is immortal until his work on earth is done. I don't know when my work is done, but you see, he's carrying me through until he decides he wants me home. He's appointed that time. We don't control it. It's his prerogative. But you see, friends, it's right there with the differences, the protective parameters that he, he throws around our lives. The infallible proofs. And by that I mean, when you walk in the will of God in total obedience, you will experience divine appointments. Things will happen that you never planned. Things will work out that you never thought could work out. You know why? God's at work. He says, it is God that worketh in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Surrender to his will. I remember some years ago, it was Easter time, I was out there on the Fiji Islands. Magnificent Islands somewhere out there in the Pacific Ocean. And I was going from island to island preaching. And I'd been on the Northern Island, and the Northern Island is an interesting place. It's where the, uh, the international date line runs through. If you stand on this side, you're in yesterday. If you stand on this side, you're in tomorrow. <laughs> Don't stand in the middle because you, know, you won't know where you are. And uh, uh, in the olden days when they had slaves, they moved them on Saturday nights across so they could still work at still Saturday. <laughs> And we had wonderful meetings on that little island. Then I went down to the main island and caught a bus to travel right up to the northern parts of the main island to go to a little fishing village called Rocky Rocky. And the plan was to start meetings that night. And I caught that bus, sat on those dusty roads the whole, whole way up. Late that afternoon, got there. No one to meet me at the bus stop. And waited and waited. No pastor. So eventually I called the... Uh, the uh, uh, a taxi, I said, can you get me to pastor so-and-so's house? Which he did. I got there and the pastor's wife came running out and saying, uh, uh, are you the preacher from Africa? I said, yes, where's the pastor? Oh, oh, oh he, he's gone fishing. I said, well, when does he get back? We're supposed to start meetings tonight. No, no, that depends on the fish. Well, I knew there was going to be no meeting that night. I also knew I had to find a place to stay. And I checked with the taxi driver, 
and we, he, we checked all over. He couldn't find a place to stay. And then eventually, he said, I'm putting you on a little boat, taking you out to an island. And uh, tomorrow we can bring you back, and maybe the pastor will be back by then. So off I go on this little boat right out to this island. I get there. They put me into a little grass hut. And I kneel there, and I say, Lord, what in the world am I doing here? Jeanette and the family are back home, and I'm sitting here, and the meetings are supposed to start tonight, and you've dumped me on this island. Where are you? Well, the next morning, I went down to the canteen to get something to eat, breakfast, and uh, there was a couple there. They were uh, from England. They were riding bicycles around the world. They were probably in their mid-50s. How they got to that island by bicycle, I'll never know. <laughs> but they were there. So the usual kind of talk, where you're from and, and all that. And I said, I'm from South Africa. I said, what are you doing? I've come to preach the gospel. Uh, he said, what's that? He said, uh, uh, what do you do? I said, I'm an evangelist. He said, what's that? And, uh, and I explained to him. He said, well, I'm an atheist. My wife, she used to go to a church, but hasn't gone for years. He said, why do you? Travel around the world, as you say, sharing people, Jesus with people. Well, that's about all an evangelist wants to hear. <laughs> and uh, I started to share with him what Christ means. By 8 o'clock that morning, that man and that woman were on their knees in that little canteen to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. I didn't plan it, friends. God is at work. She got up, wiping the tears from her eyes, said, can you baptize us in the sea? And I baptized them in the sea. Just then the boat arrived to take me back to the main island. About three or four months later, I got a letter from this man. And he said, I left England riding a bicycle, a total atheist. But out there in the Pacific, I met Jesus Christ. And he saved my soul. And today we are missionaries in Romania. Now, how do you organize that? You can't. It's what you call divine appointments. It's God's will in action. I wasn't exactly happy when I arrived on that island. But I left rejoicing. <laughs> you see, God takes us through experiences. He's trying to tell us that he has not forsaken us. And the devil lies and says, where is your God now? And unfortunately, we believe his lies. Now, what am I saying, friends? I'm talking about the infallible proofs, the divine appointments of the dynamics of the will of God. So, how do I discover the will of God? That's such an important question. For every one of us can, if you want to. That's your choice. How do I discover it's possibly the greatest exercise of faith that you'll ever have, whereby you're prepared to take the one life you've got and put it entirely into the hands of God. You see, your life is not your own. You've been bought for the price in any case. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit through which he expresses divine eternal purposes. <clears throat> now, to fulfill God's will in your life, many of our mindsets have to be changed. Because we've been, we put in the rut of the world's mindset. It's a change of mindset, of understanding why I'm here in this world.
and what God wants me to do. Now, that can be costly. That can even be uncomfortable. You see, we've got into this rut, as it were, conformed to the image of this world, and the only difference between a rut and a grave is depth. That's all. And this is how we've lived according to the dictates of the world out there. We're talking now about a diametric change. A complete change in our entire approach to life. And you know what? That change is non-negotiable. God's not going to change his terms for you or me. Because his ways are higher than our ways. And they're perfect. They're irrevocable. The gifts and callings are irrevocable. When you leave your comfort zone and step into God's comfort zone, your life can never be the same again. What zone are you in? God's comfort zone doesn't appear to be as glamorous as the world down here, friends, but it's a million times more. It's only that our minds have been so blinded by the God of this age. But when faith, steps of faith are taken, friends, we begin to notice things we never noticed before. God becomes real. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister, said Jesus. You are drawn into this family. So there are no terms. You come on his terms. There must be what I call a prior commitment, whereby you sit there tonight and say, Lord, I am prepared to follow you and I want to do the will of your life no matter what it means. It's not a case, well, show me what the will is right beginning to end, then I'll consider it. We do that. It doesn't work like that. He doesn't show us everything. He shows me today. I might plan a few things and even then he changes them. Why? Because he's, they're not in terms of his will. There's a person to trust. Can you really trust Jesus? Psychologists use an interesting term called intergrade. Works like this. It's a process which operates in the minds of those who are often in each other's company, but which they tend to grow like each other. Happens sometimes in marriage. Should happen even more. As you dwell in the presence of God, under the shadow of Almighty, you begin to be conformed to his image. That's the plan of God for us. That's God's will. You see, to be conformed into the image of Christ. And it only comes by being in his company, in his presence. You see, I read in the Bible that uh, the, the early disciples gathered every day. Well, all over, I'm noticing, friends, we're closing Sunday nights and we're closing Wednesday nights and we're having as little as we can. Not the early disciples. You know why? They were serious. It was life and death. A purpose to fulfill. A person to trust. A purpose to fulfill. Lord, what is your plan? I want to trust you to reveal that plan. It might be across the road, across the street, or across the sea. 
No matter where it is, that's your business. My commitment is I'm prepared to go to be a witness wherever I am to fulfill your purpose and God will begin to guide you. He'll put burdens on your heart that you never knew before. He'll open up an entirely new prayer life. And sometimes at three o'clock in the morning he wakes you up. You know why, friends? He wants to put a burden on your heart for brother so and so out there in Africa and you're praying and you're interceding. Meantime, there's an, a life and death struggle going out there and God uses intercessors who are part of the function of the divine sovereign will of God in kingdom business. Isn't it exciting to be part of that? Amen. What an incredible thing. A plan to implement. A peace to conform. You see, confirm. In Colossians 3 and verse 15, it's at a time when you have to make a decision. And you wait on God. And He begins to guide you through His Word. He gives you a rhema in His Word. Whereby the Word comes alive and ministers to your heart. And God speaks to you. Circumstances begin to change. You begin to realize that God's at work. And then Colossians 3.15 says, And the peace of God shall rule your heart. Now that word peace, or that rule, word rule, is the same word for umpire. And the umpire gives the decision. His peace becomes ours. There's a final, and there's a partnership to the contract. What a wonderful partnership. There are times when the will of God doesn't add up in normal calculations. When five times two becomes 5,000. In the feeding of the 5,000, the will of God goes beyond our little calculation system. He's on the throne. That's the God we're talking about. Can you trust him? Can you trust him? You have the word of God to guide you. You have the witness of the spirit to confirm within your heart. And then you have the working of these circumstances as things begin to fall into place. And you look back. And you trace God's will. And I think there's nothing more wonderful. I'll close with this simple illustration. You're driving on the road. It's a dirty road. It's been raining. There's mud all over the place. And sometimes a car passes you or comes this way and sprays mud all over your windscreen. And you can't see where you're going. And you know you can't go any further because if you can't see where you're going, you don't go any further because of all the mud. You have to stop and cleanse the mud away and turn the wipers on so that your vision can become clear. And you know sometimes in the Christian life, mud gets onto our screen. We're going in the right direction, but we can't see where we're going anymore. There's mud on the screen. We have to have it wiped away. The mud of this world that only the blood of Jesus can wash away and cleanse us so you can keep going in the right direction. 
Many Christians are going nowhere because there's too much money. We want the will of God, but we've never wiped the mud in our screens. Now, the question simply is, are you in the will of God? Or are you prepared tonight to say, Lord, I want to be in your will. I want your will for my life. That's a decision you need to make. And say, God, not my will, but your will. Jesus had to say that. We must do. Have you said it? Or have you just gone along, you know, as we all do? No, friends. We don't go along with the crowd. It's an individual walk as a man, as a woman, as a young person, as an older person, a single person. No matter who you are, it's the will of God. No one can choose the will of God for your life. It's your choice. Whosoever doeth the will of God abideth forever. That's God's word. Link up with the will of God. Connect with it. Don't leave it until next year. I can't guarantee you that. Not even tonight. The way people drive in this place, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't risk it. All on the wrong side of the road, of course. <laughs> I, I wouldn't risk it. I, I want to be in the will of God.